So sometimes movies are so true, they're kind of painful a little bit. And you probably didn't know that God is a middle-aged, vertically challenged white dude. Uh, But we're going to talk today actually not about generosity or we are going to talk about giving, but I want to talk about rhythm. I don't know about you, but as the year starts right now, as the fall begins, as school goes back into session, I just feel like I'm out of rhythm in my life. I just want to kind of establish some sense of rhythm. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about how giving really is the best way to sort of grab the tiger of life by the tail. If you're here for the first time, I want to thank you for being here. I also want to thank you if you're listening on podcast today. And you know that this is the point in our service where we usually lift up somebody from a foreign country or state or something like that. But today I just want to lift up those who drive a long way to Highlands to come. Let me just show you what I'm talking about. We figured that there are 10 different cities that come to Highlands Church regularly. If we wanted, we could call this 10 Cities Church, change the name, but I like Highlands. But this morning, a couple of your connection team came from King City. They drove an hour down to be here. Our first worship service, we had people from Kalinga, an hour and a half, who came over. San Luis Obispo across the grade, and so thank you. And by the way, I want to really thank those who come from Templeton, too. That's a long, long way for you to come as well. So I want to talk about giving today. I want to talk about the rhythm of giving. Um, I began uh, my message in all the three services talking about my wedding anniversary, which was on Friday. And it was my 11-year wedding anniversary with Star, which um, was really cool. And I'll get to this point in a sec. Thanks, Matt. But I I began uh, my my wedding anniversary, and I forgot that it wasn't really 10 years that we've been married, but it's really 11. And I got into trouble with Star about this. Apparently, I wrote on my blog post that we've been married for 10, but we've been married for 11. And she said, how could you do that? I mean, how could you be so disconnected from, from like what's going on in our marriage? I said, honey, the years have flowed so seamlessly together. One year just goes right into the next for us. But, but we, went to, um, we went to dinner on Friday night at one of our favorite restaurants around. And it was such a nice evening. It was a perfect dinner and the service was amazing. And it was just a romantic evening. And and then it came time for the tip, you know, at the end of the night. And I'm Scottish, so it's usually like 18%. But, you know, this was a really nice dinner. And so normally I would have done 20%. But I figured 21% would be good because it was a really nice evening. And so I wrote in that tip and I felt so good about that all night long. But thinking about that, you know, when we give a lot of times to God, we think of it as sort of a tip in our lives. We're happy. Our marriage is going well. Uh, maybe our jobs are going well. We've got a, maybe had a bonus that came through, like any of us have had one of those for a long time. But, you know, but things are going well, so we tip God. But actually what I want to talk about today is how God wants us to give no matter how things are going in our lives. Not so that, I mean, God doesn't really need our stuff in order to do what God wants to do. He wants to help us establish a rhythm for our lives. Uh, I want to begin this message by talking about how generous this congregation is. So I, I want you to know this is not about generosity. This is a massively generous congregation. I want to tell you how generous. Um, a little while ago, we got a gift as a church that came in from a, tr- a city that was a long way from Pastor Robles. And this was a gift that the steering team wanted to make a major gift for uh, to the community. We wanted to tithe off of. We wanted to give back to this community a little bit of what God has already given to us. So we prayed about who we might give a gift to. And if you read the newsletter this last week, you know that we gave $2,000 to Second Baptist Church here in town. Now, I don't know about you, but I am just so excited about this. This is Gary Jordan, 
who is the assistant pastor in this church. And the reason we gave to this church is because they are doing such a good job at feeding people who need meals. They have a meal for people five days a week. If you need a meal, you can go over to Second Baptist. And, and it's not just people who are homeless. Anybody who just needs a meal, they can go five days a week and they have showers two days a week there for people. If you need a shower, you can go over there too, I guess. But I wanted to lift up a letter that the pastor of that church wrote me, Reuben Tate, about this, uh, about this gift. He said, Dear Highlands Church, on behalf of Second Baptist, I would like to thank you for your generous contribution. This is the line I want you to think about. You will never know what an answer to prayer your gift has been to our church. The generous support of your church has made it possible for us to exist. And this is the part I have a hard time reading without choking. Anytime we can be of assistance to you, please do not hesitate to call on us. So that's an amazing thing that you did. So this is not a message about generosity. This is a church that's amazingly generous. It's about rhythm. I want to talk about rhythm because 5,000 years ago, a man by the name of Abraham began this whole process of giving back to God what God had already given to him. Now, just to remind you a little bit of Abraham's life, it was not easy. He and his wife, Sarah, were hoping to have a child. That didn't happen. He was uh, in the promised land, and this was supposed to be an amazing place for him to be. and, And yet it was a famine, and there was a drought, and it was hard times. So Abraham had to go to Egypt with his family, and a lot of bad stuff happened in Egypt, but good stuff happened. He actually became quite wealthy in Egypt. He came back home with his whole family and then resettled in the promised land. Then his sort of young upstart nephew named Lot decided that he wanted to leave the home and take his side of the inheritance. And so, you know, Abraham said that famous line, all right, you go east, I'll go west. You go right, I'll go left. And so, you know, Lot went to the best place, Sodom, which ended up not being such a great place to live after all. But but a lot of people came and attacked this nephew named Lot. They came and tried to take uh, his land and his family. And to make a long story short, Uncle Abraham comes along and saves Lot and drives the attackers, the Mesopotamians, all the way up to the city named Dan. And it's there that Abraham vanquishes these foes. And it's there that we pick up this rhythmic giving back to God. Now, Abraham's pastor by the name of a man by the name of Melchizedek. You think Graham's hard to pronounce? Melchizedek's even worse. Uh, Melchizedek comes to Abraham up in Dan, thereabouts, and says this. Melchizedek, king of Salem, this is Genesis 14, 18 through 24, brought out wine and bread. He was priest of God the Most High. He blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abram, God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. So this is really the first time that anybody has recognized that God is up here, And Abraham was down here. We might write us down here. And what Melchizedek is saying is that everything that just happened to Abraham that was positive came from God. And then this amazing thing happens. It happens about 5,000 years ago, and it's been happening ever since for Christ followers like you and I. Whenever people want to express thanks to God, this person, Abraham, gave back 10%. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. So you see how this works? God gave Abraham 100% and then he kept 90% and then Abraham gave back to God 
Now, tithing is basically the giving of that, and it doesn't have to be 10%. It could be 1% or whatever percentage, but Christ followers have done this for the years. And, and so this circle continues. God then gives another 100%. 90% is kept here. And again, we're not just talking about finances here. We're talking about all blessings from whom God gives us in our lives. So Abraham gives back to God 10%. Now, about this same time, a king who lives in Sodom decides to give Abraham all that Abraham would want in terms of money. And so this guy named Sodom comes along and he gives Abraham, he says, well, why don't you take everything here? And Abraham says, no, I'm not going to take your gift, the king of Sodom, because I don't want anyone to think that the way I prospered was anything other than God in my life. And so that's what happens in this next little bit here. The king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. Take all the stuff, said this king. Abram said, I've raised my hand to the Lord most high. Everything in my life comes from God and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say I made Abram rich. From that day on, Abraham recognized that everything good in his life came from God. And he was just going to give God, not any person, but God, back a little bit of what God had given him. So I want to talk about this. And again, I want to talk about this as a rhythm, a regular giving for our lives. As you head into the fall, this is a way to establish a rhythm in your life. A long time ago, I lived in Boise, Idaho. I grew up 1970s, the recession. You remember those fun days with OPEC and oil embargoes and gas lines and tough time in Boise. I'll never forget, though, that that church that my dad was a pastor of needed more space. Sound familiar at all to you? But they needed more space, especially for the children's ministries that were just like kids everywhere. And so they decided to build a wing on that church. So they asked everybody in the church to come down on a particular Sunday and just give whatever they had for a new wing for kids' ministries. And again, this was a tough time, and they didn't know if they could do it. But there was one woman who started out to church on that morning who started five miles away, and her name was Minnie Laughlin. I can tell you her name now because she's not alive. I know that she sitteth not far from the right hand of God the Father Almighty, where she is in heaven. Minnie was widowed. Her husband was a farmer. Her father was a farmer. And there she lived five miles away in a little ranch house in Boise, Idaho. So on that Sunday, she was going to bring whatever she had for this new building expansion for children's ministries. It's just that she didn't use a bank. And so she kept all of her money in this huge pickle jar. And we don't know what pickle jars are today because we don't really have like pickle jars. But in those days, they had these huge pickle jars. And she had been keeping her savings, literally her life savings, in this pickle jar. Somehow she loaded this pickle jar on the back of a little red radio flyer wagon. And she started off to church on that day, five miles away. It was about as hot as it was today, and she was going to start half an hour before and be there at 11 o'clock, but it took her a lot longer than half an hour to get there with this heavy, heavy jar full of coins, silver dollars, copper, real copper pennies, and nickels, and quarters, and they shimmered in the sun as the sun beat upon the pickle jar full of coins. She got there at about 11 o'clock, 11.30, the church service was almost over, and, uh, but she got there in time to give this offering. You'd have thought she'd have left this wagon outside the church, but she didn't. She opened up those back doors and she rolled that little wagon right on down to the front. 
as people were coming up with their paper money and their checks. And everyone said, is that Minnie Laughlin? Minnie Laughlin, who's on Social Security and she's a fixed income, she's a widow, she shouldn't be giving anything. Minnie came up to the front and she handed the handle of the wagon to my dad, who was the pastor. And she said, Don, I want you to hear something. And I want everyone in this church to hear it. This is not for you. It's for God. And with that, she handed him the handle and they took it on to the side. It took him about four hours to count that money afterwards. And $147.50 later, Minnie Laughlin had made a contribution to the building campaign. But it wasn't for the pastor and it wasn't for the church. It was for God. And God bless you, Minnie Laughlin. You've got it. And as we think about rhythmic giving in our lives today, I would just ask you to think the same thing. It's not for the pastor. It's not for the church. It's not even for a good cause. It's for God. It's, it's literally a way to establish a rhythm in our lives. And this is God's best way to help us do this. So I want to talk about how to do this. And again, you figure out whatever rhythm you want. Maybe it's just a dollar a week or whatever, but whatever that rhythm is, that God can help you establish. I want you to think about that. And that's the first thing. Everything that comes to us in our lives is already God's, and we're just giving back to God. Not to someone else, but to God. So there was this little boy who was in church sitting next to his mom, and, and uh, the communion came around, and mom said, uh, uh, Honey, I don't want you to take communion because you don't understand quite yet, but as soon as we explain it to you, you can take communion. The little boy was kind of bummed out. He put down the bread and the juice, and... and then the offering plate came around, and, and uh, Mom said, Well, I gave you a quarter, Johnny, to put into the plate, and could you just put that in right now? And he said, Uh-uh, Mom. No, if I ain't eating, then I ain't paying, basically. <laughs> now, that kid has it basically right for the way we think about it, right? If our lives are going well, if our marriage is going happily, if our job situation is good, then we're paying, But if not, then we're not. But I want to have us think or just challenge us to think about this in terms of giving back to God and that God already owns all this stuff. I'm wearing my favorite blue shirt today. I like this blue shirt because they say it's good on TV. And we have a camera and there's a there's a cafe here so I can look in the camera and it's they tell me it's good on TV. This this shirt. I, I don't know. But actually, it's not my shirt. It's God's. I should have said to God this morning, could I borrow your shirt? I need something for the cafe. Good on TV. I have a house down the way here. It's just a little ranch house. It's not that big of a deal, but it's got this huge yard. It's so much work to keep keep this yard up. But it's not really my house or my yard, which really helped me a lot this last Friday when I was working in this yard. And I was feeling really bitter about it, you know? My day off, I had to work in my yard. So I said to myself, I'm really bitter about this. And then I realized this is not my yard. You know, the funny thing is when I realized it's God's yard, I wanted to work in it. I did. I was like ready to quit after one hour, but I worked another three or four hours because it's God's yard. Seriously, have you ever noticed how easy it is to clean a friend's house, but how hard it is to clean your own? I clean a friend's house like that. Just throw everything into the closet, you know, but... (laughs) But God's stuff is God's stuff. My wonderful wife, 
who I've been married to for 10, I mean 11 years now. I, I, so she's a long-suffering soul, as we know, being married to me. But she's not my wife. She's God's. Not God's wife, but God owns her. It, I just have a chance to be with her for this period that we're together. And God has blessed me with this relationship. And you know what? What marriage therapists will tell you is that if you want to bring new life into your marriage, then start to think of each other as not belonging to each other, but belonging to God. Because then it's really about stewardship. I'm just taking care of the one that God gave me. Okay, things are not going that well, but I'm going to keep working on this thing that God gave me. That little three-year-old is downstairs right now. She's not mine. Well, she is, but she's God's. And I tell you, there are days when I'm like, God, she is all yours. <laughs> Good one, Lord. But again, parents, uh, uh, guidance counselors and uh, child psychologists will tell you that, that parents that realize that their kids are not theirs do a lot better when they realize that their kid is God's. And that your job is just to steward your child through as well and as mature and as godly a focus as you can for the time that God has them in your life. It was easier a long time ago to think about this. In the old days, they didn't have money. They had an agrarian society. You know, everything was wheat-based. And this is kind of a farming community, so we will probably get this better than others. So in the old days, the notion was God brought the rain and it rained on the earth and the wheat grew. And then we gave back to God. It was easy to see because we could see the sun and the rain coming from God. And we just give back the cycle of God. And that's what God wants us to keep doing with all parts of our lives. Bless you. The second thing is this. I know there are a lot of people, especially uh, at this time and in this place, who are suffering from major losses. I know there are retired people who have 401ks who have disappeared into not what you thought it was going to be. I know there are people who had jobs that were paying a lot better. I know people have had uh, incomes that have been fixed over a long period, and basically your income has gone down because it hasn't gone up. I know that. And the tendency in our lives is to feel bitter about that. We used to have this, and now we have this. But what I want you to think about is you didn't used to have that. God did. And he has, or whoever, has taken that little bit. And if we can think about how God actually has that, it can really help us to think about this in a new way. I have a person who's very close to me who uh, is about to head into retirement this next year, a couple years. And he's figured out that he's going to lose $20,000 a year in retirement for the rest of his life. And he is really bummed about this. So I'm trying to work him through this idea as a pastor. And so I tried to ask him, well, how long do you think you might live? Try to help him realize that it wasn't as much money as he thought it would be. So $20,000 times 33 equals, oh, it is a lot of money, half a million dollars. So then I said, well, what if you think about this as not your money, but God's? That you just wrote a big fat check for half a million dollars to God. Now, that helped him a little bit, but I know a lot of us are going through some losses. And by the way, this doesn't just work for, for money. It works for all kinds of things, relationships and other kinds of stuff. We just give those losses up to God. 
And I know for some of us that may be an easy tendency to say, hey, I'm scot-free for the rest of my life. I don't really have to give anything back. I've lost so much. But I challenge you to give a little bit on top of that. For you, for the rhythm of your life, not for God. So that's the second thing. And the third thing I want to say is, you know, I don't want to sound glib about this, but this is hard. This is a very serious church. I've never been a part of a church that was more serious about spirituality than this church. But people come to me every week and they say, Graham, I need meat this week. You give me a meaty sermon. Every week I try to, you know, serve up a prime rib of meat or whatever. But, but I want to give you some meat today. If you are serious about this spiritual stuff, try to do this rhythmic giving. It's hard. It's hard. I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I'm a non-Mormon. And so that was always hard being a non-Mormon in Utah. But one thing I always look forward to is the Utah jazz in Utah. Now, I know nobody here likes the jazz because you're all Lakers fans, and that's just fine. The Lakers will win in this story. Just trust me. But I loved watching the Utah jazz, and I loved my favorite player was Carl Malone. And he played for the Lakers, by the way, just so you know. But I loved this guy because he was in his mid-40s, and he was still playing pretty well. And I actually remember hanging out outside of Carl Malone's house in Salt Lake City, Utah, to meet him one day, which I think they call stalking today. But anyway, (laughs) anyway, so I remember I did hang out outside his house because I wanted to meet him. And he came out of his car. He's a really nice guy. His hand like wraps twice around mine. He's huge, huge guy. He actually was nice enough to invite me into his house. But I remember an interview he had where somebody said, Carl, That three-pointer you made from half-court to the beginning of the game, wow, that was amazing. And Carl said, well, thanks a lot. But I got to tell you that that layup I made in the fourth quarter when my arms were tired and the Lakers were killing us, that was really hard. That's really what God is saying here. The big gift at a generous time when things are going well, it's not easy, but it's, it's fine. And I don't want to diminish that kind of giving at all. That's wonderful. But that layup you make when things aren't going well with your work, when things aren't going well in your personal life, you just make this layup that nobody knows about. That's hard. It's not glamorous. But it's what God has done to help people feel like they basically have some some control in their lives in this crazy, crazy thing called life. But the last thing I want to do is just thank you. Thank you again for your generosity, but thank you for those of you who are rhythmic givers. And, you know, rhythmic givers, they don't want thanks from me. It's funny. I've tried to thank some of our 10% rhythmic givers in this church, and they like actually don't like it when I do. There's one man, a wonderful man, who is a rhythmic giver. He, he also rhythmically gives in so many ways in this church with the lawn and with other things in this church, but... I remember coming to him and saying, you know, thank you so much for that gift. And I remember him looking me in the eye recently and saying, Pastor, don't you ever thank me for what I do here. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for God. So, my friend, if you're out there, I'm not going to thank you. I'm just going to use the words of another pastor in town. And I want you to think that this is God speaking and not another pastor. Dear friend, you will never know what an answer to prayer your gift has been to our church, to the kingdom of God. The generous support of you have made this kingdom 
more possible. Anytime I can be of assistance to you, just let me know. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this incredible church. I thank you that you have given us the means of having some sense of control in a life that seems like a sandcastle washing underneath our feet. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to give back to you a small portion of what you give to us in a rhythmic way. And I pray that you would then cascade upon us all blessings which come from you, not just financial, but moral and spiritual. Lord, if there's anyone here today who needs a special blessing, a special hand upon their life, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reach out and connect with that person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.